0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Season 2, Episode 15 of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for uh, for tuning in. This is uh, you watching it on YouTube or, or listening to the audio on Spotify or at podcast or any of the major podcast platforms. Uh, I do appreciate you guys. Uh, make sure you, uh, you guys, I know a lot of you uh, haven't joined us on Twitch yet or haven't joined the Discord. Make sure you do if you're listening to this um, after the fact. Uh, today's guest is uh is alex landenberg uh you guys uh, you guys know him from uh camelot or or Syrah, uh, but he's uh, toured with millions hundreds thousands gajillions of bands um and his worked with, with a whole bunch of people i'm not even exaggerating like when you see the list it's a lot of it's a lot of fucking bands uh we, uh we we get to dive deep into how he started how he got into drums he started teaching and, and what he does for that now but um, we, we dug deep into a lot of different things and uh, we have a little bit of an exclusive as well. He's working on some stuff outside of drumming but has to do with the music industry. has to do with streaming platforms specifically.'s uh, got uh, he's got a jewelry company that he started up uh, where he makes uh, pendants and, and necklaces and stuff out of broken symbols. Um, I just wanted to give a massive shout out as well to guilty gorilla management for making this possible shout out to julian gorilla if you guys don't already know uh we have uh, we have a little thing called team unmuted now on twitch and on discord uh, julian gorilla is officially team unmuted so uh so if you haven't already at julian gorilla on instagram and uh, on twitch yeah so so make sure you uh you come down join us thank you guys for uh, for checking out this episode and uh let's hit the intro right Welcome to the show Alex, welcome to the show my friend
1: Hey glad to be here. How are you doing man?
0: I'm doing well my friend and uh, listen I'm gonna I'm gonna say this I have a, I have a a last name that looks like I lost the game of Scrabble. I've always said that but I, I always try to get uh, the guest's last name absolutely correct Landenberg
1: Landenberg. perfect That's Did it. I say that I- right? Awesome! Yes. There we go. I didn't. I
0: didn't. Uh, I didn't mess it up. That's that's a good thing. Um, how are you, doing, How's it going with
1: you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, of course. Um, you know, I haven't been touring exactly a whole lot uh, these past what, eighteen months or so, like anybody else hasn't. But uh, you know, apart from that, I try to make the best of it, and especially the last few weeks, last few months have been really, really good. Done lots of recordings, lots of practicing, all these things, you know? Yeah. Trying to, uh, to stay in shape for for you know the tours that will hopefully come next year. Absolutely.
0: Um I, I always I always try to try to do this uh, for every episode. Um, everybody knows you, you're in Camelot, Syra, all the bands you've toured with. We're gonna deep dive in, into the whole history, but I, I like to start these things by saying, um, in your own words, uh, outside of outside of what you do necessarily. Uh, could you introduce yourself to the tribe that might not know you?
1: Yeah, well, okay. Um, like you said, um, most people will know me as the drummer of Camelot or Rhapsody. Luca Torelli's Rhapsody, to be precise. That's a band that I played for, uh, with for a few years. I have my band Syra from Sweden. And um, and I've been playing, you know, with Stradivarius, with Masterplan. Uh, I'm a longtime member of Mekong Delta. I played with Annihilator even. So, like, I've done so many things musically. Uh, I come from Germany originally. I actually moved back to Germany during the pandemic. Uh, I've lived in London for a while, in the UK. Um, yeah, and other than that, you know, other than music, I'm a big movie and, and sci-fi nerd, I think you could say. Like, I love Star Trek, uh, used to love Star Wars a lot more the, there than was, I do that, nowadays. Was a, that
0: was a loaded <laughs> sentence there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's, let's, not, let's not talk about it and uh, or maybe maybe we should like we have a lot of time um you know and lots you know lots of interests and uh, lots of things that i love doing and you know whatever like reading watching movies what all these things are pretty normal but yeah mostly what i'm doing is i play drums
0: let's um let's go back let's go back in time i i like to do things chronologically i don't know hmm? um, I, I don't know great. if you have this. It, it's a weird <laughs> uh, itch that I have. I like to start from the very beginning and yeah. just kind of go through the the journey. Um, what was it? What was it uh, that first uh, made you fall in love with music? Before you were a drummer, before any of that stuff, what was uh, what was your first love when it came to music?
1: Yeah, I think um, you know, like. Our household like my parents they used to listen to a lot of music. I have an older brother who uh, just turned 50 and so you know I was when I was you know from from very little on there was always music in the house and I remember specifically the Live Aid 85 um, you know and of course that, that amazing Queen show and that just stuck with me. I, I, I remember seeing you know the band, seeing Freddie, the crowd, like the, the Wembley Stadium, all of that. And it was so magical. And I think I really, really fell in love with music, just seeing that. Like you could tell that this is so, this is such a huge thing. This is so important. The vibe, the energy, all of it was so great. So I think it was that, to be honest. Did
0: did you, uh did you understand, like, th- this is, this is uh, an, in- no, not industry. I know, I know that's a. Big term for at least uh, a, a youngin, but like, did you understand that this is something that someone can achieve? Or because when I was when I was growing up and I and I first started falling in love with music, it really felt like something that was so abstract, something mm-hmm. that was so big and far away that it's not not something you can do physically. Uh, was yeah. it the same for you, or was it like I'm gonna do that?
1: That's actually that's interesting. I think it was so little at the time that. I just thought this was something that people do, you know, like it didn't occur to me that this is the rare exception, you know, these four guys up on stage. And because I was really little, um, and I think that's only when you're older, when you're like 10, 11, 12, when you you start realizing, no, people are actually not doing these things, Um, or not very often, at least. So at the point, it seemed like something, I didn't think about it. To be honest, I was like, okay, that's what people do. Like, these people yeah. exist, you know. Like, um, you know, it was, that's it, it. Seemed pretty normal to me in a you way. Know,
0: I, we, we've done. I've done so many of, of these uh, podcasts where I've talked to creative people um, from from around the world, inside music, outside music, and stuff. But what one thing that comes as a as a common thread that I found is people who grew up in musical households tend to not put the stress of of making it in music first uh, as their first line of uh uh you know introduction it's not the first thing they think about because like you said you you were so young and and it was just a thing that happened your house was musical for example for me it wasn't a musical household whatsoever it was it was me finding it on my own kind of thing and it felt so unachievable it's really interesting that
1: you know, because people, it was an outside thing, right? Exactly. You, like, it was like It was like the outside world. It was like a totally different thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's but think, really curious. It, it, really it has a really lot to
0: do with it. Yeah. Uh, we we've um, we we recently had um, you know Kevin Foley from Exponented uh, and and uh, a bunch of other bands on the show. He, he said the exact same thing that you said. You know, it was just around him the whole time. So yeah. he just thought this is this is what the world is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. This is what the world is. Exactly. Yeah
0: when yeah, but- when did you start to like internalize it and start to think this is I, i'm looking for music that that i like because you know mm-hmm. th- there's that initial there's the initial goddamn it queen are amazing and every everything sounds amazing but when was it like i'm gonna i'm gonna try and find my my world within this uh, mm-hmm.
1: realm? that was the that was the whole metal thing okay so because It was a musical household, there was lots of, um, you know, contemporary music, even even jazz, classical music, a lot, a lot of progressive music, so 70s, Genesis, Marillion, all these things, which are great, looking back now, I realized that I, you know, I, I, that was like a a musical lesson from early on for me to listen to these things, and just taking them in as they were, but it was not necessarily heavy metal. And I remember Falling in love with heavy metal as a little kid. Like I must have been around nine, 10, and uh, it was specifically And Justice For All and uh, Keeper of the Seven Keys. Mm -hmm. But it's pretty much the same time, 88, 89. And I got them maybe a year later or two years later when I was sort of nine, 10, something like that. And uh, it just fascinated me, but it was nothing that I, you know, that we would play at home. So this Sunday was my thing and I started playing it, but it was also like, it wasn't like a lot of resistance or anything. Like I didn't have to fight for it. It was just, but still, it was my thing. And, um, that's kind of when I, or like, these were also like the first records that I bought. However, um, I'm not sure. I think the first record I bought was actually, uh, Michael Jackson, Dangerous. Nice. I think so. I'm pretty sure because it was either that or um, Guns N' Roses Used Your Illusion too. Mm-hmm. I think. It was one of the two at the time. Um, they were pretty close to each other when they came out. But yeah, so the, the, the rock and especially the metal thing, that was kind of my thing suddenly, you know, that was different.
0: So you, you didn't get a lot of uh, what is this devil music kind of reaction from, from the household, did you?
1: No, no. It would be great for you know some funny stories or uh, something, but really, none at all. Yeah. Um, no, not really, not at all. Actually,
0: no. There's there's a lot of um, I I don't know why that this is, but there's a lot of uh, Michael Jackson fans in the in the metal. There's a lot of Michael Jackson fans all around the world, but a of lot of metal musicians are obsessed with uh, with Michael Jackson. That was kind of their gateway.
1: Yeah, I think uh, well, well, musically it's great, right? He was a great, great artist, great performer. The stuff was extremely well produced, well written, and he had his great bands and shows and everything. And there was a certain rock edge also to it, you know, especially to the to the parts of the of bad, but especially to dangerous. I think, and I think it's especially for musicians it's not so far fetched to like that, or the whole thriller album. If you think about it, that's Toto playing on the album and. It's just, it's fantastic. So I think it's true. I never really thought about it much, but um, I don't think then it's that it's that crazy or that unusual. Think of ABBA, it's the same with ABBA. So many people love ABBA or at least can enjoy it or appreciate it. And that's also not exactly heavy metal. So I think heavy metal people, and especially musicians are much more open-minded than, than the regular regular audience thinks in a yeah. way. Yeah.
0: And, and I think because it has that like the foundation in rock, uh, it, it's not like today's pop where where it, yeah. you might not even hear a single live instrument in in the in the actual um, uh, recording. It, it was exactly uh, it's the, the foundations all in 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 rock, and and I think that that kind of
1: was a good uh, bridge to to everything else. Yeah, absolutely, of course. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like today's pop music. A lot of it is probably too far removed from anything that has to do with playing an instrument or you know proper productions or anything so to get from from that kind of music to rock and metal that's that's a big stretch but yeah back then that was different absolutely yeah. when, uh, same with, uh, when same with Prince I, I love Prince and to this day I love Prince you know yeah and and that guy and also like just a guy was was a rock star in a way you know like I mean at least he was like the biggest one of the biggest music stars so again I, I think that's kind of natural to like that yeah
0: i always love when people talk about prince they're like listen there's a lot of people that play music and then like he was the music he was he, the music it's unbelievable lived yeah, it.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. it's a great Wait, way of what putting was, it
0: what was what was the first uh song or person or or, or album that uh you remember like I'm, I'm consuming all of this stuff. I'm, I'm falling in love with this music, but I want to start making it at, at um, some point.
1: Oh, that's a good question. I think that was, um that was all around the time. I think it was, um, it's not one record. I think it was at a time where it was um Fear of the Dark, Iron Maiden, mm-hmm. Black Apple, Metallica, Countdown to Extinction, Megadeth. And it was those records where I was like, okay, I want to do this. Like I would and, and you know, me and my friends, we were putting our first band together very little, like we were 12, 12 years old. And we started playing, that. We trying to play that stuff, I should say. And um, I think that was the same time, but it wasn't one record, but it was that period. And then, then, of course, from then on, it was all of these records. Like whenever I was listening to something, uh, it, it had changed for me, and I started analyzing it, and I think even at that young age that started, and I, and I could never quite go back to just listening to music, which is something that I'm a little bit envious of sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, just being able to listen to music, because without, I can. You mean without, <laughs> yeah.
0: without like, breaking it down and analyzing what they're doing and stuff like that?
1: Exactly. Yeah, I, I automatically have to do that, and um, it's nothing I can do about it. Like, it's, it's not even... It's just, you know, it happens autopilot. But yeah, so that's, that's that. And that 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 happened back then, for sure. But I also remember listening to this, to this stuff and thinking, yeah, I want to do this. But at the same time thinking, we will never be able to play like this. <laughs> I really <just> remember that. <laughs> was it yeah. drums from, from right off the bat? Uh, was, no, no. Immediately? Funnily enough, I started playing guitar when I was little. Um, so two years before I started playing drums, I actually had guitar lessons back at the time, acoustic guitar. And um, But somehow that wasn't, you know, it wasn't as satisfying. And um, from the moment that I picked up a pair of drumsticks and I sat down behind a drum set, it was completely different. Uh, I, I realized this is something that I was born to do. I can just do this. Like I make big, big, big steps very quickly. And it came to me very naturally. And that was beautiful. But I started with
0: and, guitar, actually. Yeah, I I, I always love uh, asking this question because I uh, I also started with guitar and then uh, and then for a brief moment decided to, to switch to drums. And um, mm-hmm. the reason I, <laughs> I don't play drums is because we just couldn't physically have a drum set in the house. It was just too loud, uh-huh. the neighbors, everything was going on. Um, and and like the, the support from the household was uh, was wearing thin. Uh, what was it like for uh, for you back then?
1: Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. First of all, but that that unfortunate that this is still happening and this happened so so many times to so many people. And, uh, and nowadays, that's better with the electronics, you know. Yeah. Uh, which are great nowadays to practice at home, but uh, not to for me. Fortunately, I had the support of the family. But na- I am I feel sorry for the neighbors looking back at me now. Because <laughs> you know I, mean, I played, what, like four or five hours every day at least. And um, that must have been really, really hard for them.
0: Something changed with uh, with your mic settings. Oh. Uh,
1: that okay now?
0: I think either unplugged or something happened.
1: <laughs> Let me try. There we go. Actually, now I kind of. Working
0: now? That's fine. Is that fine? Uh, speaking. Working? again? Yeah, there we go. It, no? okay, okay. Uh, okay. Chat, let me know if uh, if the audio is all good for you guys as well. Yeah,
1: of course. Uh, if not, I can just still unplug the microphone. We just have the audio from
0: the Uh That might be better. That might be better, actually. Let's just check that for a second.
1: Okay, you want to try that now? Okay. There it works? is. Perfect. Cool. Okay,
0: fine. Sounds great. But uh, yeah, like I, like I was saying, it, uh, the, the, one of the biggest reasons that we don't have, we physically don't have enough drummers in the Middle East <laughs> because people uh, just don't have the the opportunity. Starting off, they they fall in love with with the instrument. They try to get into it, but it's just one of those things that you can't just you know have in your room. Uh, at least back in my yeah, olden days. Up. Uh, have in your room and and practice. That's why there aren't too many of, uh, too many drummers out here.
1: Yeah, I hear you. And I mean, the thing is that I grew up on the countryside, basically, right? And, you know, in so many ways, I hated that as a kid. But of course, looking back at it now, that, of course, made it so much easier for me to play drums. So um, I think so, at least, you know, had we lived in an apartment, like in a city, uh, it, it would have been too much, I guess. But, you know, we had our own house and there was like a little bit of space around it. And I guess that made it just bearable for the neighbors. So it made it just possible, you know? (laughs) Yeah, Um,
0: I I have to ask this. I have to ask this because there's there's two extremes to this answer. It's either really, really good or really, really bad. Okay. What was the first band name?
1: (laughs) Okay, the first band name is great. so I'll tell you, the first band name was Blind Faith, right? That was our first band. And uh, because we didn't, uh, there was no Google and there was no nothing. And we were un- uneducated young kids. So we didn't know Blind Faith with yeah. Ginger Baker and uh, Eric Clapton and <laughs> all that. So, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like the, uh, having having a second uh, Slayer. <laughs> it's just yeah. you don't you don't know you didn't know it existed. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right, and nobody told us, and because I don't think people took it too seriously. And then we kind of changed that to um, to Angels Cry at some point after the Angra album with my um, late friend Andre Matos. And technically, this band still exists because we kind of started getting back together during the pandemic, and we're thinking of, you know, redoing, re-recording some of our old stuff. So, oh, wow. It. Yeah.
0: So, how, how long ago was this? How old were you guys?
1: Yeah, well, this is, the thing is, like, like I said, we started around 12, and then around 14, 15, we became quite serious about it mm-hmm. and started putting out our first demo of 15, 16. And there's two albums that we put out. Or actually, we didn't put them out. That's the problem. We, we were not able to get a record deal at the time, we had no connections. Like, it just didn't work out. Um, but we have two full records that are basically sitting on the shelf from 99 and 2002 so we're thinking of re-recording them and then having like um making it maybe like a bit of a documentary and showing like how we're taking the stuff now from back then like how much we've grown hopefully as musicians and how we're changing things and why we're changing things and you know we hope we can do this like we hope we can use the the time during this pandemic to do this um yeah that's amazing. On. That I think would be really interesting. Yeah.
0: Hearing hearing the uh, the songs from 1999 and 2002. Do you uh, do you look back and go, actually, this uh, this young Alex was pretty good back then, or do you think I'm going to change a bunch of things?
1: No, that's the thing. Like, uh, obviously, we will change some things, but it's it's minor stuff. And um, no, I'm I'm actually really proud of these recordings, and that's that's the whole, And also the others, like my you know, fellow bandmates and, and um, they're all great musicians. And I think it was great what we did at the time, a little bit inexperienced, but um, yeah, no, no, it's, it's fantastic. And that's why I would actually like, anyways, whatever we're doing with it, we're going to put out the original as well, because um, it, it's it's going to be great for people to, or interesting for people to see the original material as well. Or hear absolutely. It.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to uh, to see and hear that. That's, uh, that's right, something that- You post it for sure yeah um we uh, we have by the way if, if you guys want uh, a link to alex uh, if you do exclamation point guest in the chat you'll get a link to his instagram and the youtube channel's through there everything's through there so um exclamation point guest go follow do do all the good stuff um That'd i wanted to uh, I, I i love asking this question because uh because it's always so different for for different musicians different uh creators in general um what was the moment where it went from I do this cool thing with a bunch of my friends to I I want to be a musician. Like I am a musician. This is what I'm going to do for life.
1: This this happened extremely early on. Um, So honestly, in a way this happened during our first concert in, in 93 when we were actually still super little, but on being on stage. And of course it was a typical thing, it was like 60 people in, in the audience and was mostly families. You know, like mostly our, our families like, and friends. But being on stage was just the biggest thing in the world and I knew I wanted to do this for real. And that's what kept me ever since. And I never questioned it, to be honest. Um, it's kind of weird looking back at it now, but I never really paid attention to people telling me, oh yeah, it's going to be difficult. And, you should learn real job first or whatever. Like I, I didn't even listen to that stuff. So I didn't even hear it. Cause I just didn't care. I knew um, I wanted to do this. And so I just, you know, kept working on it and you know, just did my thing. So I knew I wanted to do it. Now the question, at what point I knew I, this could be a job that that's a little bit different but that was also like a process. <laughs> so right when I got off, off you know uh, of school i started teaching drums and i had 40 50 students a week kind of quickly and i was making money with it and wow could support myself uh you know in that way so i don't know like it it, it was never really a question should i be doing this you know like uh, i always knew i would be doing this
0: and that's amazing it's amazing that you started teaching so young as well right out of school you, you was was it a suggestion from someone um uh, oh, you're good at this maybe you should teach like how 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 did you come up with that because yeah high school kids aren't thinking about how to how to, how to sustain themselves right away especially not the ones that i know that um were wanting to tour and wanting to go out and into the music industry kind of thing uh what was uh where where did that like um you know in, initiative come from
1: uh well i gave um but it was my idea. Like I, I knew I, I had to. Have, that was basically the job, right? Like uh, the the goal was being becoming a rock star, you know, and like touring and all that. But I, I wasn't crazy. I knew that this was not that this would be this would not be an easy task, and that this could take some time. Actually, I still wasn't questioning it, but I knew it would take some time, or it could take some time. So the the plan was to to make a living teaching. In the meantime. So I contacted a, a, a friend that ran a school, great, great drummer um, in Germany. Pietro Amalia is his name. Um, he he used to play for for big pop acts and he was on TV and all that. And like he was like the guy we were looking up to. Mm-hmm. And he ran the school and I, I was just calling him up and he said, hey, um, you know, maybe I can teach a little bit at your place. And he said, hey, come over. Uh, we'll have a talk. And we talked about it. He'd be, you know, check some things like my technique, my sight reading, a little bit of that. And then he threw me into the cold water. And of course it was kind of weird because I was only 20, yeah, 20 years old at the time, 21 maybe, no, 20. And um, some of the kids that I was teaching were my age or just a little bit younger, 15, 16. So it's kind of hard to, you know, to command the authority in, in, in that moment. But yeah, I learned, I mean, it all, Felt very natural and it happened really quickly for me so it was a great learning experience to be honest teaching can be a great learning experience
0: i was just about saying not only not only teaching not only learning the the actual um subject you're teaching or the actual craft that you're you're passing on but um like you said you're you're dealing with people that are your age where their hierarchy is a little different there's communication skills involved there's you know uh you're 20 making money already um sustaining yourself there's so many different like life skills that go into that one experience it's it's a, it's a little exactly.
1: crazy yeah, yeah exactly it was like a, a huge school for me too and um but yeah i mean uh the way we did it was correct because um you know the boss like uh Pietro, he was always like in the back in case uh, there were questions or anything like he was not just like throwing a kid in there and you know like it was very controlled but like i said at that time i had practiced so much and I, you know I, I was my reading was quite okay and i don't know it's just i i knew i could do it but it's still something different like teaching like you said it's all about these social skills as well trying to motivate people to practice and um, you know it's, it's like it's very it was a really really interesting experience and it led to many, many of the cool things that happened later. I mean, basically, um, my first real job with Annihilator was a direct result of me teaching a student from Canada, a good friend of mine, Chris Stevenson. So, um, you know, one thing led to another there.
0: Wow. Okay. I, I was, I was going to ask you, was there ever a moment while teaching where you thought, oh, this is either the student or yourself, like, this is the start of something big. So, um, so, so uh, what happened exactly? How did, how did that happen? How did the annihilator happen?
1: Well, yeah, first of all, um, to be honest, um, so I was teaching and it was great and we were having a lot of fun, but I remember being 25 or just turning 25 and I was like, shit, I need to make it. I need to go like, uh, you know, I have to have my break. And I don't want to end up being just a drum teacher, right? And I started to be, you know, started getting a little bit nervous about it. I remember that clearly. And uh, looking back at it now, knowing that everything turned out the way it did, that's fine. I'm sometimes thinking, I wish I could have enjoyed it even a bit more back then because it was so much fun. But I was so concerned about my career. I was like, (laughs) I need to make this big step. Something needs to happen, you know, like this. This can't be my future, like forever, right? And um, so what happened there is, it was it was really, it was crazy actually. Um, so Chris, uh, you know, Chris's dad was um, a pilot for the Canadian forces. Mm-hmm. And they were st- stationed in Germany. And uh, so the family was there and, you know, they were looking for, for somebody to teach your kid drums. And um, naturally, the kid being into heavy metal and the student speaking English, I was a natural choice. So uh, I started teaching Chris and it was great. And we became friends with the family and all that. It was absolutely fantastic. And then the family went back to Canada a, a few years, years later. And um, at the end of 2006, I think, something like that, Chris called me and said, hey, uh, I just ran into Jeff Waters from Annihilator. And he needs a drummer for a tour urgently funny thing is that chris and i you know we actually did a lot of Annihilator during the lessons because a lot of the Annihilator material especially the ones to start with mike mangini is a, you know excellent drum practice yeah. those are great drum parts and you need you're learning a lot of things that you need to know for your drumming if you just practice those songs so we did a lot of these already and so he asked me and i did a, a audition tape like it was even, it was just at the start of YouTube, but it, nothing was like today. So I, I actually did a DVD and sent it per mail. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. uh, crazy. The, the, good old, the good old days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, just when I wasn't thinking much about it anymore, I got the call of w- Waters called and he was like, Hey, you're like, I remember him saying it. He said, you're like a baby Mangini. He told me, which was great. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I want you to come over and uh, I want you to tour with us, and that's how it happened. And uh, I toured with Nihilator, played about something close to 50 shows with them and for one touring cycle. And then suddenly, uh, you know, I was on the map and then suddenly uh, I got other jobs and other offers, you know. So what because thing, you need to get your foot in the door, and uh, you know that wasn't for me. You
0: know, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And what was what was the feeling you got? You've uh, you've been basically studying this band's drums. Yeah. You've been also teaching uh, the, the, this band's work. Yeah. And then uh, and then through a, a series of different events, you get a call. Hey, we want, you, uh, we want you here. We want you to be right here right now. Thank you whoever changed the lights. We want you to be right here right now and, and you're gonna be playing in this band. What was the, the feeling first and foremost?
1: Oh man, like uh, it was unbelievable. Uh, uh, it was completely overwhelming in, in a good way, you know? And it was like, I, I, it was more like finally, finally this is happening and I can't believe it's happening like this, honestly. And I was just so excited and looking forward to, you know, meeting with the band and touring with them. And I remember thinking, like, oh yeah, touring, touring, I, Like that was, that was going to be my first proper, proper tour. I did some touring before filling in, so I had a little bit of experience. And I remember being a little bit nervous about the whole touring thing back then. And somebody told me something really smart, they said, uh, who was it? I can't remember who it was, but it's that don't go crazy about it. It's just.'" You know, like it's like just a series of individual shows. Like you would not be nervous about an individual show. And this is just a string of individual shows. That's all. Nice. Yeah. It's like, yeah, of course, is it? You know, like, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> it <was> great, <clears throat> it was fantastic.
0: Jumping jumping um, from having done uh, a couple of a couple of tours like that to a like a well-oiled machine like Annihilator back then and and, and jumping headfirst into that stuff. There must have been a massive learning curve, Uh, not not only regarding the actual touring and and pacing or any of that stuff, but just like I said, going back to teaching how to deal with people. You're in everyone's face all the time. That it must have been a massive learning curve.
1: Massive, yeah. I mean, that's that's like that's even an understatement. Like it was life changing, and um, in a way, the thing is, I'm not, you know, not telling any secrets here. Like especially at the time, Jeff was not easy to work with. He's a very demanding band leader in a very good way though, you know? He just asks a lot of his musicians and that's why the band is always top notch. And um, so the, you know, the level was extremely high and I had to play at my very best every night and I had to take care of every little, you know, every little nuance Everything had to be perfect or otherwise Jeff would not be happy. And we had talks after every show where we would go over the whole show and, you know, in detail. And he's, like I said, he's very demanding. Like he did that with everybody in the band. But um, it was so, so crazy good in a way. And in a way, everything afterwards was easy in comparison for me because that was because I started like that. This was like serious, 100 percent serious right away. It was like no drinking, no partying, no nothing involved. It was all about the show and the, the perfection in it. And it was a bit over my head in the beginning, to be honest, but I grew into it quickly. And like you like you said, it was like massive learning experience. So it was probably the best start I could have had, you know? And finally, not even my genie says the same thing. The Magini even had, you know, like it was like really, really difficult for him touring with the, with with an at first. Yeah, it, I mean, because you're not used to uh, playing to for somebody who's so demanding. Yeah, but it was great. It's it's a good thing. it Was great.
0: Yeah, I I can imagine like someone asking that much of you, especially in at at that age and like. With the shock of just being being on the road with with the with that band and stuff, it must have it must have been um, it must have been uh, uh, exciting as much as it is nerve wracking. Like you just have to also manage uh, not breaking at some points. If uh, if that if that's true.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, of course I yeah, am absolutely. I had to, and and you see um, everything up until that point was like. Um, You know, how to describe that? I think a lot of, you know, football, soccer players or, you know, have similar, or sports people have similar experiences. You're kind of the king in your town when you grow up because you're the talented kid from there. And, you know, you're the one where everybody says, hey, this guy's gonna make it and look at the kid and everything is fantastic and everybody loves you. And then you get, when you get into the real world, none of that matters anymore. You're just like expected to be great. It's not a, you know, it's not like a big deal anymore. Like, oh, the kid is great. No, no, you have to be great. Yeah. Otherwise, you would not be here. So there's all these, it's just a whole different thing. Like the, the expectations and anything, it's just everything switched completely. And that was really, really interesting. You know?
0: So you, you said that opportunity uh, with, with that particular series of events led, led to all this. And then yeah. that's when... Your name was on the map. Uh, everybody can yeah. kind you. Of when did you realize, like, oh, shit? People, people are noticing.
1: Uh, like, it's kind of hard to say. Um, again, like these things, these things happen. You know, like in steps, and they they don't happen overnight or suddenly. Like, they, it's like it's a, it's a progression. And um, I noticed, like, that in Germany, things had changed immediately. Um, like obvious stuff. Like, I had. Requests for interviews and, and drum magazines and and these things and that stuff happened and I suddenly had my first real proper drum endorsement. All these things happened and um, German acts like a, a band from Germany Axis. I played with them for a while. They contacted me. Contacted me uh, Mickon Delta contacted me. So this changed. But I think when I landed the gig with uh, Stradivarius. Mm-hmm. When I was helping out for for them. When york got sick unfortunately back then that's when i realized i was really it, it became an international thing it was just not like local thing anymore but i was on the map in the scene let's that was let's,
0: let's let's drop some names because because uh, the list is big the list, yeah. the <laughs> list, the list of people you've worked with is is massive so who uh, s- since then since annihilator the stradivarius uh, what what else what else kind of um, you know, session work or, or touring work that have you have you done with with big names?
1: Yeah, well, I'd say the, the, the biggest names probably are uh, Stradivarius. Then uh, right after Stradivarius, I played with um, Symphonia, which was not like a big band. Like if you look at back at it now, but it was supposed to be like this, um, you know, this super group with uh, Andre Matos, Timo Tolki, Yari Kainulainen, you know. Like it was supposed to be, I think, the next Stradivarius sort of thing. So after coming from Stradivarius, I immediately played with, uh, with Timo Toki and Andre Matas, and we toured South America. And Andre, especially in Brazil, is like, you know, was like a god. So that was like, yeah. pretty incredible to play with him there. From then on, I, I played with them. Master Plan, I did, played a little bit with them. Then the Rhapsody thing happened, Luca Turi's Rhapsody. That was the, the thing that kept me busy for a few years and um and then of course camelot and, and these are the biggest things and then, then i've done so much session work and you know one-offs i played with bonfire in germany classic rock act in germany um, like i said Axis. so and probably tons of things i'm, I'm not even thinking about right now there,
0: there's 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 a massive um kind of uh, difference between starting uh, a band from scratch or, or working with a band that's a bit smaller and working your way up than plugging into a, a, a machine that's already rolling. Um, which, Absolutely. Which, which one's harder because <laughs> they both have, they both seem like they have their own unique um, up, up, ups and downs.
1: Oh, they and they have their own both unique set of difficulties, you know, Yeah. they're, di- they're difficult in and, and very different ways. Um, so of course, like if you if you join an established band, well, they kind of did all the work for you, like getting there to that point. But at the same time, you're filling somebody's shoes and there's expectations. Yeah. So at the very least, there's like musical expectations and there's like a certain framework that's there. And you can't just do whatever you want. Because not because anybody's telling you not to, but because the music just doesn't allow it or is not asking for, something that's too drastically different mm-hmm. you know like uh, for instance now that i joined camelot and i actually i'm just you know finishing the recordings for my first studio album with them even though i'm playing with them for four years now um close to four years and like you have to take into you know account all that everything that's been before and you can't just reinvent the whole thing there's like there's a certain you know, frame, like I said, in which you can move and you can do little things here and there, but there's a style and you cannot, like, just play whatever you feel like. Yeah. So in a way, that's that's difficult. It, it's extremely difficult on top of it, if the fans are attached to the person that you're replacing. Uh, I kind of, I was kind of lucky with that. It was the weirdest situation with Stradivarius, to be honest not because of the fans but because of the the whole situation because Jörg was sick he was a he had thyroid cancer at the time Mm -hmm. and uh, we didn't know whether he would he was coming back and we didn't know like how would turn out so it it was a weird feeling to replace him because of that you know like um it didn't feel 100 percent right from the moment knew he would be okay that was a different thing but that was kind of weird for a little while there and um, unfortunately, you know, he recovered completely and he came back to the band for a while. But I don't know, like if you think of situations, like uh, if you look at what happened in Dream Theater, like how hard it was for many fans to accept Mangini in the first couple of years, you know. To <laughs> this day,
0: it's crazy, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this can be extremely difficult um, because, yeah, I mean, that's, that's fans, you know, they're they're attached to to certain people, which is a good thing in a way, but you should never like take it out on the wrong person you know the guy that or the girl that replaces somebody it's not their fault you know like uh, yeah. they're just getting into the situation everything happened that's happened before is a problem but yeah. you know somebody has to continue
0: dude and, i i agree with you 100 percent. and a thousand percent of the time i always say you know? at least they're keeping the catalog alive uh it is regardless of of who's uh, you know behind the kit on the vocals on the guitars, whatever's happening they're keeping the the music that you love alive and, and keeping it going. Why would you not want to support something like that because uh, because you know someone had to leave I remember specifically the the case with us was um, we had this conversation with uh, with the guys from Sepultura mm-hmm. oh yeah and 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 bands uh, sorry fans from around the world still saying, uh, you know uh, Max versus uh, Derek Green, and it's like it's been 30 years. You guys. Yeah. It's, it's been a long time. It's not about who's better, who's worse. It's 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 a just go see the band for what it is, and uh, exactly, it's it's very very interesting to see that mentality.
1: Of course, and especially it's not like Derek kicked out Max. You know, like um, <laughs> yeah. so that's, that's the thing. You know, like you should not take it out on the wrong people. But and then at the same time, of course, I understand fans because I'm a fan too. And yeah. I, I, I get that. And you know, it's like, it's a weird thing. It seems to be really hard on the first person who has to replace somebody. Like, yeah. uh, after that, people are kind of get, getting used to the idea, you know, of that position switching, you know? But if you're the first guy that has to replace somebody, that's weird, you know? Yeah, But yeah, okay, it happens sometimes. So, but of course then, Bringing a band up, like you know, building a band from zero, that's always that's different, and it's difficult for different reasons. And I, I'd say it's more difficult, of course, you know, mm-hmm. especially nowadays, um, because there's just so much of it. There's so many bands, and it's not just the bands. There's so much media and entertainment that we that we're competing with. You're not just competing with other bands. You're competing with Netflix. You're competing with the computer games. Yeah. Anything, you know, you're 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 asking for people, for the attention of people and the time of people. And there's so much people can do nowadays. It's unfortunate. Unfortunately, it's a good thing. But if you think about it, like, especially with my my parents, you know, when they told me about when they would go out and buy like the latest Beatles record, let's say, right? That was a big thing. People bought it and they were sitting down and, they were like meeting with friends to listen to it, you know. And I mean, and of course, I remember like buying, doing the same thing. We would buy an album, and the you know the friends and I we would gather and listen to that album. And this kind of attention that we were giving and those people were giving to to music, that's a you know it's it's rare these days. Yeah. And that's not because people have changed so much. It, it's because of the circumstances. It's, it's because we are fighting. But we are having so much competition to start with. And then in that small window that we have, like a little bit of attention that we get from people from music, you are competing with, first of all, 50 years of rock music or something like that, that's already there. Yeah. And like hundreds and thousands of acts. So you have to kind of stand out. And that's getting harder and harder. Like for Kiss in the 70s, it was enough to paint their face a little bit, you know? Yeah. That was enough to stand And I'm not, I mean, I'm not knocking them, I'm a fan. I'm not saying they were not a good band, but what I'm trying to say is that was enough to stand out, you know? And yeah, it's getting it's,
0: harder. When, when you put it that way, you think of all the different levels of, like you said, like the currency is, the currency is attention now. Mm-hmm, exactly. And- and you're competing against all these different things driving down the road. even Spotify when you open it while you're listening to bands it's trying to suggest other bands to you so uh, actually reminded me a couple of days ago we were on the on the discord uh, just having a conversation with the tribe and someone was saying i miss i miss turning the pages of of the the booklet just reading the lyrics and and seeing who wrote what and uh, all all of that is is, um, is very different now like the actual Uh, exchange between musician and and consumer or listeners is so different right now.
1: Exactly and to be honest like in the whole thing I think we'll talk about this more in a bit but my biggest concern isn't actually even the money even though the money is horrible in streaming you know and this is a big problem where the money generally is horrible in music and people this is a big problem for people who are trying to make a living of it but my biggest concern is still for the music itself because the problem is, with the whole world at your fingertip, you are not likely to give a whole lot of attention and time to something that doesn't grab you immediately. Yeah, and this leads to music being, like all music, being composed as if it was supposed to be a radio single in a way, <laughs> which is not good. Yeah, um, if you think about it, you know when people still bought a record and they paid whatever, like fifteen euros. I can't even remember, but they paid money for it they didn't immediately like it they would still give it a couple spins like okay i paid money for this i want to see like i want to i want to give it some time you know and and that's important and especially for music that's a little different or that builds a little bit or is a little more interesting or difficult you actually need to take the time now the problem is for streaming music you can just click like you with the you know the push of your your finger you can go to the next song so I think it changes the way we're looking at music or people are looking at music and not for the better. It's uh, and it's killing the album as well. Yeah. An album is such a great, you know, art form because you know, a certain song might have a completely different effect depending on where it is on an album. And that's why we used to spend so much time thinking about that. The track list uh, is
0: one of the most important list, things. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's like and uh, let's say like you have like a nice little ballad, like just a little bit of acoustic guitar, piano, and vocals, that might be absolutely amazing at the end of a record, but the whole record is like bang on heavy, and suddenly you have this thing that that's different and that's that creates a different mood, and that doesn't work anymore if you if you're streaming stuff randomly, yeah. And suddenly this song might not have an effect at all anymore. but I get a little bit boring, you know, I don't really like it. Let's click next you know? Yeah. So that's another problem. And and this is the thing, it's not like it's so easy to to start to sound like a really old person because it's just constantly com- complaining about these things. But it's not what I mean. I'm, I'm just really concerned about the art, about the music itself, because I can see these changes because and I'm feel- around long enough.
0: You know? I, I i feel uh, having talked to a lot of people and especially because we have the chat open right now i i see rami lab saying give it one more spin exactly let it grow uh saying interesting point cragger saying i still buy cds and vinyl because of wanting the physical copy to hold in my hands uh, to appreciate the content and artwork uh, you don't get that with streaming and downloads especially on spotify i love my art and artists i'll always buy my cds um and uh yeah, there there's there's a lot of different I feel like alternative uh music listeners, alternative music fans, not the guy that knows his music just because it's on the radio, like the uh, I I like to say the the bin diver, you know, back in the day at the record store I'd be in the bin just trying to find that that gold gem. Those guys don't necessarily um don't necessarily just cave to whatever's been thrown at them. They 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 want to go for the for the deep dives, they like to pay a little uh, extra the the tool fan for example uh, like Derpy said yeah it's um, not a lot of uh, modern mediums cater to that uh, to that alternative kind of uh, listener
1: yeah exactly and um, yeah that's actually a big problem in a way because you know the technology is here it's not like we're we can't make it disappear uh, and, and go back to the way things work so we have to you know, one has to wonder how we're actually going about this, like, for real. It's um, it's very similar with movies, if you think about it, because uh, home cinema systems and all that have become so great that, that people only tend to go to the movies, you know, not even talking about the pandemic now, which has been another problem, but uh, they only tend to go to movies that are, like, you know, very action heavy with you know a lot of there has to be like an explosion every five seconds and lots of cgi and all that otherwise like it's not worth going to see the movie at the theater yeah but that leads to only such movies being produced Mm -hmm. and suddenly everything is is only marvel and only star wars and i don't mind having that as long as you have the other thing as well yeah but yeah
0: that's a great that's a great point i didn't even think about that that's that uh, a, that's very true. Uh, just ask a question that I think we could use as uh, as a little gateway to uh, to talk about what you uh, other things um, outside of outside of playing music that you've been working on. He says, in your opinion, how should bands release their music today to reach uh, their audience?
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, um, I think having said that, as much as I regret the album being basically. That in a way, right? Like uh, I think it's just something that we have to kind of accept for now. And especially if you're an up-and-coming band, I think it's most beneficial to release individual songs almost, mm-hmm. because then you can you can have like your social media campaign for every song. You can remind people of your of your band and your music with a new song every time. You don't because you. If you if it's about the same album, you feel like you're beating a dead horse at, yeah. after a while, and uh, people get annoyed and all that. And this way, you can kind of bring yourself back to the attention and have like a new release every four weeks, every six weeks, whatever. It's it is what it is. I'm not thinking this is great because, like I said, I'm a huge album fan, and I think people should still put them out, but. If you're up and coming, I think it might be best to go for individual songs and try to get the attention, first of all. And yeah, like, interestingly enough, um, I didn't know we were talking so much about uh, screaming and all that, but um, it's uh, the whole situation is so, it's so difficult and, um, you know, so, so difficult, especially for, like you said, for for our genre, for, for anything that's in a niche, basically. So that, um, you know, a friend and I, we, we actually, we're talking about this so much and we actually are trying to put out uh, or trying to create a new streaming service. So what we are trying to, or what we're working on right now is a streaming service service that's basically, uh, that's catering to the rock and metal audience and that's built around that genre and featuring bands from, and music from that genre specifically. And um, because the reason for that is that with the current system that we have, like if you look at, at the big ones, Spotify, Apple Music, all that, it favors the really, really big acts that are getting a lot of streams. And But it's very bad for the niche because of the way that the money is distributed. Because yeah. the, the money is distributed from the same pot. So. Um, if you're a rock fan and you're listening or a metal fan you're listening to your bands and you don't listen you listen like a normal person would whatever like a couple of hundred songs per month you are basically financing millions of streams in other genres that have yeah. more way more streams and that needs to be paid to these to these artists so it's it's very it's very bad for for actually rock and metal acts the way it is right now so we're trying to to change
0: that with a different distribution system. Is first of all, that's uh, that's absolutely amazing. Uh, the fact that that uh, th- there's a genre-specific uh, thing yeah. that you guys that you guys are focusing on. But did this come out of um, did this come out of like frustration uh, as uh, as a consumer and as an artist? Did this? Yeah. Where was this born born out of? Is this just something yeah. that, that you guys felt like you had to do?
1: Yeah, I'd say necessity. Like frustration sounds uh, sounds you know negative. Of course, <laughs> it is frustrating, right? But I'd say it's more necessity. So the thing is, um, I'm I'm working on this with a friend who has who has been extremely successful uh, with uh, building apps, uh, you know, for the mobile market, and um, he did like some work in the AI field and has made. We have amazing progress there, so he knows what he's doing. Like because I could not just build a streaming service. Like I'm I'm a, I'm a drummer, but I know like the music industry and I, and I know the problems that we as musicians have, and that I as a fan still have of that kind of music. So we kind of we try to bring that together, and um, so we were talking about these things about these issues and. One thing led to another. Like the original idea was to do um, a user-specific streaming service, mm-hmm. meaning that whatever you are listening to, your money goes there, right? So you're only listening to one band in a month. Everything, like that, we can take from you, you know, distribute from your money goes to that one particular act. It turned out that this was not easy to do that because various reasons. But basically, it's kind of hard to change the whole industry. And they have a certain way of doing things. So uh, that was not possible for now. And the, and the next step was a genre specific thing. Like, okay, we cannot do user specific, at least we can try to detach a genre and keep the money in that genre. And this is what we're trying to do now. We're working on this now. It's a massive undertaking. And uh, yeah, it's been keeping me really, really busy. Uh, I can imagine. Yeah so, yeah, I think we'll, we'll put out more about this, like some, you know, more specific info and more detailed info about it soon. And because we are also like, maybe I'm putting out too much already, but because like, we're still trying to do it and it's, there's like a lot of obstacles still, uh, but we would we would actually like to try to do it in a way that the fans can pick their favorite band and a certain portion of their monthly fee goes to that band directly. Oh, so wow! So it's kind of like a like a Patreon idea there in there as well. Yeah. And what's super important, we also want to actually encourage to still buy physical and all that. This should not be like this should not be an alternative to buying music. This should just be an alternative to the streaming services that are out there, and give people a chance to use a convenient streaming service knowingly that that the money will actually go to the artists that they want to support and not to whatever like not to some hip-hop artist nobody's ever heard about you know yeah um,
0: yeah that's because yeah that's that's absolutely amazing and uh that's by the it. way chat uh, everybody that's that's in there i just started a poll uh rock slash metal specific streaming services i uh, keep in mind that uh revenues and stuff like that is distributed uh fairly to the artist uh and then you get to vote vote yes or no in the uh, in the poll right now and um i'm curious i'm curious what you guys are thinking we're a, we're a rock and metal uh, community here um i want to see i want to see what you guys think it's um it, it's it like you said it's got to be an, an undertaking and a <laughs> half kind of thing to to get this up and running and I, I can't even imagine the logistics of of physically being uh able to to put uh that kind of stuff out but um what, was, what has been just from like people around you, friends, family, uh, a response uh, when, uh, when you tell them what you guys are working on?
1: Oh, they love it. They love it. And uh, everybody's, you know, everybody loves the idea. Everybody's actually crazy about it because they also know, uh, like, um, you know, my business partner, they know the people that are involved and how serious they are and how, you know, much they know about the whole um, subject. Because at first it sounds completely crazy and manic. Uh, and uh, it would be if I tried to do this on my own for sure I wouldn't try it on my own to be honest you know <laughs> but knowing that we have the the technical cap- capabilities and also like enough you know money at first and all that that's that's certainly gonna help and um, yeah let's let's hope for the best like uh, like I said we'll talk about this more really really soon hopefully we can make it work and and if we can make it work, it all depends also on, on you know the bands and the fans if they can and if they want to support it uh, because that's what it ultimately comes down to. We can put out a service, but if nobody uses it, um, it's not going to work. But the idea is that we are actually offering the whole music market mm-hmm. so you can listen to s- stuff other than rock and metal. Obviously, you can listen to anything on it. But we, we don't want to restrict it.
0: Yeah. The
1: idea is that... We are catering to a specific audience, and because of that, they will mostly listen to our genre. Yeah. And as long as that's the case, that's fine. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, feeding, feeding the Spotify algorithm gods to try and recommend the new, <laughs> new metal album um, is uh, is a painstaking process. You have to be there for for days and weeks, making sure yeah. that you like everything you do. Like. For them to actually suggest something that might be in the same realm, so something like that is, uh, I'm uh, I'm 100% down. I'm
1: yeah. so 100% like I said, down I mean, for
0: that kind of stuff.
1: This is still in the works, and uh, at this point, like um, maybe two months from now, like uh, I know we know it's going to happen, and then that could have then I would have you know been a bit more detailed about it and all that. But for now, I'm. We'll see. we we are positive that we can make it work but until like I don't want to jinx it like I was I was actually a bit hesitant to talk about it but then we have to talk about it at some point yeah let's just hope for the best because that's absolutely that's like been a rule of thumb for me I usually don't talk about things that are not a hundred percent certain because that's something that you learn as a musician that there's a lot of talk and um you know I know things are happening when I'm on a tour bus or when I'm in a plane flying to a show you know then I usually and I'm like, okay, I think this is happening. Mm-hmm. And until then, I'm a bit cautious. So I was like uh, a bit hesitant, but yeah, let's hope for the best. And let's and hope we'll, for the we'll best. Every,
0: everybody in the chat, knock on wood, you guys. Everybody uh, simultaneously knock knock on your tables right now. Um, it, it's It's crazy to think th- how far things have come in the last 10 years when it comes to, you know, not only the way we consume music, the way the way people are promoted bands are albums are dropped you're talking about you know singles versus albums um and i i know that uh, you're well versed in in like the social media realm you know your youtube's uh up and running you got the instagram up and yeah. running uh your facebook's active it's were you always uh aware that this is this is the route uh, a musician needs to take because i've talked to people even younger than myself that are like I don't need an instagram as a musician i just i just do my music but it for for me i don't know you correct me if, if you think otherwise but they go hand in hand these days
1: oh absolutely of course um i mean there's no way around it like um, if you're basically if you're not on social media you are not happening unfortunately uh and you see the thing is i don't i don't necessarily like that and I'm not a huge fan of, it, of many of the aspects. But it's always the same thing in the end. It's not, it's never the thing that's inherently good or bad. It's what we, what we do with it, you know, as a society. So I don't think social media is a bad thing. Not at all. I, I think it's a great thing. It connects the world. It gives people a chance to put their stuff out without filters. And they can just do, you know, be creative and all that. All of these things are absolutely incredible if you think about it. They're fantastic, but it has downsides, uh, and and there's no way around it. Like it's it's a visual medium, and we are visual people. Like uh, we like to look at things, and this is a problem. Like if, if the way somebody looks is becoming more important than than what they can do as a musician, mm-hmm. then that's not good for the music. Yeah, you know, like it's and it's been like that even with music videos. Back in the day, but now this is actually getting to a level where, where it's kind of a bit too much, in my opinion. And and all these, and you know, looks and the way you present yourself is becoming more important almost than the talent and uh, the, the actual work you put into it. And then there's so many ways of actually, you know, che- cheating in a way, like um, editing your your performances and editing your pictures and videos and all that to to an extent that I sometimes catch myself like not being interested at all, because by default I'm, I'm almost thinking this is touched up and this is edited. Like, it just doesn't affect me, you know? Um, yeah. And this is not a good thing, but what can you do about it? Like Well, I can tell you what, what you can do about it. Like uh, First of all, this is not a really, really important thing uh, because a lot of people are complaining about that. Um, But, you know, complaining about it, it it doesn't get you anywhere. Like it's a good, you have to complain about it maybe in the beginning to, you know, to, you know, get aware or like be aware of a problem and, you know, make it a topic, but that's not going to change anything. So I'd say one thing. If you want to change the content that's on social media, then you should try as a person to comment and like the content that you like
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, sounds, yep. it sounds stupid in a way but it's not because um if you don't interact with content that you th- with the kind of content that you want to see then the, the algorithm is just gonna ignore that content because there's no interaction like uh, let me give you like a real example here like real world example let's say there's drum videos on youtube of colleagues of mine you know, esteemed colleagues, great drummers, right? When I'm watching the video, I'm like, okay, I don't need to tell this guy that he's a great drummer. It's like, it's almost like weird telling that person, let's say Marco Miniman.
0: Yeah. Like
1: I'm not, gonna, I don't feel like I have to comment, great playing Marco, because that's a, a joke. Of course he's playing great because he's Marco Miniman. But because I'm not doing that, there's no interaction, mm-hmm. right? And the, the YouTube algorithm doesn't know why I'm not commenting. It just recognizes that I'm not commenting and I'm not liking or whatever, like I'm not reacting to it. And then it's like whatever, like some five-year-old Chinese girl and 10,000 people are commenting, oh, that's so cute, that's so nice, whatever. The problem is, the algorithm is going to think this thing is important, people are reacting to it, this thing is not. So I'm not gonna show this thing to, to people. And it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. So you should really, I think, make it a point and just be active on your friends' social media, like your fellow musicians, your fellow drummers, guitarists. We're at this point where everybody li- needs the interaction. There's yeah. no matter how famous they are because the the algorithm doesn't understand they're famous. So like, um. If you want if there's content that you want to see make sure you are interacting with that kind of content to make it more visible absolutely I guess.
0: absolutely and and to double down on that um we um i, I know julian mentioned it earlier we have we have our own uh, discord server where you know a bunch of the people from from around the the world uh, hang out it's like a, a forum kind of section what we do on that discord server we have a couple of different channels where it's like show us your stuff and we've had we've had conversations before uh, within within the the community within the tribe where people say i actually don't listen to this genre of music or i actually don't care about drum videos i actually don't do that but i would go and comment and like it as part of this community just to make sure that they get that that interaction uh as 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 someone that that you know is up and coming and and needs that interaction so um i just want to shout out to you tribe look at you guys see we're getting we're getting advice that you guys have already been doing it's fucking cool
1: that's fantastic that that, that's awesome but yeah like like i said it's something that you have to be aware of man and you have to think about because it's it's not intuitive like like i said i'm like i'm i'm hesitant to 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 go on on a Mike Mangini video, and say hey, great playing Mike. Like you know, like it's like why everybody knows he's playing great, right? And this is the kind of mindset that that leads to too little interaction in a way. And yeah, like we're all did, guilty of that. So did uh, you
0: did, did, did when when you started like uh, you know uploading videos on YouTube, uh, early days of Instagram, that kind of stuff? Did did you instinctively think about this? stuff like algorithm how what it was about all that stuff or is, is this just years of experiencing you know the, the other side of the coin
1: uh, it's, it's just years of experience and and honestly it's been this pandemic where i just like anybody else was like okay what am i gonna do now okay you know what i have this youtube channel that i haven't really been you know working on a whole lot and i'll, I'll take some time now for it and then i realized how difficult this is nowadays like uh, how hard it is to, to get into recommendations, to get views and all that, and it's weird. And it's also, it seems to be like some people do well on one kind of social media, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing well on others. Like yeah. you can find people that are really good doing well on Instagram, and they're not really visible on, on YouTube. So it also might be a good thing to kind of focus on one thing where you're where it kind of seems to work for you. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I wasn't aware of that at all.
0: Or, or the the forsaken TikTok. I always see uh, I always see Instagram profiles with with a couple of hundred followers, and they say twelve million on TikTok in the bio. And I'm like, how does that translate? What does that even mean? I don't. Right. I'm too old for this shit. No, <laughs> uh,
1: tell me about it. Now, of course, TikTok. Like, I don't, I'm talking start on TikTok, but um, like, I mean, it's kind of at what point are you too old for something and it's kind of painful, but like, it, to to be honest, when I look at TikTok, I'm like, what is this? Like, why why did we need this? Like, who needs this? <laughs> you know, how did it come to this? And, uh, but it's there. And I'm, I'm to be honest, I'm, aff- I'm, I'm, I'm concerned and, or I should almost say afraid that this is gonna be super important a couple of years from now. So it's gonna be just as bad to not be active on TikTok as not being active on Instagram in a social media kind of way. I mean that, but I don't really feel like doing it. And I got, I don't know. Like uh, there's a certain, of course you don't have to. Like uh, you have to ask yourself, you know, do I really need to do this or not? But the problem is I can, I'm at this point where I can say I'm not doing TikTok and it's not gonna hurt my career. But I'm really sorry for up and coming artists. Like uh, I have some younger drummer friends who are fantastic drummers great players and they're they're putting out great stuff and nobody cares like they're not getting views or anything and it's weird it's it's not a good thing
0: we um we had a a guest on uh two episodes ago uh called nick nocturnal he's a million plus followers between instagram and and youtube he's a twitch streamer that uh, has insane numbers um uh, he's uh, he's a guitar player uh, primarily, but he does meth, rock and metal content. And he's so, such a guitar player. He's also very young. Such a guitar player that um, uh, he he's never owned an amp like a like a U- YouTube guitar player. Uh, when uh, he, he was uh, put into a competition, and he said one of the weirdest things was to try and dial his tone in a real life amp and get used to standing up and playing and okay. and even this guy <laughs> uh, when we had him on the show was saying tiktok freaks him out because yeah. because he's so worried about that's the short attention span <sighs> consumption uh, that that even his his you know 10 minute youtube video is is too, too fucking long. long at this point people skip instagram stories uh, and it's 15 seconds so who's gonna sit around and 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 watch uh, a 10-minute video or like us this is one of the reasons I, m- I made the podcast as long as it is it's like you want to have a good conversation it's not gonna finish in five minutes it's gonna be it's gonna be a couple of hours
1: exactly yeah this is like a really alarming thing is this trend of everything becoming shorter and shorter And um, this is, it's just not good. Because you see there's like a lot of musical qualities. You think of like playing a musical instrument that that cannot really be displayed on a phone in 15 or 30 seconds. Like let's say you're developing a theme or something, right? Like doing like real musical stuff, working with dynamics and stuff. None of that translates well to a cell phone 30 second video. So the problem is, it kind of favors party tricks, mm-hmm. whatever, like extremely fast guitar playing or drumming, but none other than that, like just stuff that's like immediately grabbing your attention. And that's not always the most musical music stuff. But you see, the funny thing is in a way, these are all the same problems. Yeah. So the same problem we have with music, people not being, not you know willing to give music enough time it's just the same thing also on social media with other with just drumming or just playing guitar. Um, there's not enough attention for you to do stuff that that you know requires attention.
0: 100%. Yeah. It's
1: just it's it's not a good thing, but yeah. It it is it is a
0: a crazy crazy leaps and bounds digital world. And I know you guys don't have to tell me in the chat. There was there was say i sound old as fuck every time i say this but it is like uh i know i'm i'm streaming live on twitch and all of this happened in the last like 10 months i didn't know any of this shit before um so it's uh, it's pretty it, it is pretty crazy and always blows my mind um and speaking of the digital world uh rami uh has a question in the question box uh i just want to shout rami out by the way uh, he's from labmetal.com lebanese metal uh forum keeping the scene awesome. alive in the middle east He's asking, do you think electric drums could completely replace acoustic in the future?
1: No, I don't think so. Um, I think electric drums, like the electric guitar, didn't replace the acoustic guitar, you know? And uh, keyboards didn't replace a grand piano or something. Um, Electric drums are becoming better and better and better. And uh, actually, I just. I haven't even talked about this publicly. I actually switched to Roland. That's like basically like my my latest thing. So I have this beautiful Roland drum here in the living room. And um, these are great instruments, they're great tools to practice, to um, to recordings, especially on a budget. And of course, the way they start looking now, like they're looking more and more like an acoustic drum. You can definitely use them live if you want to, but it's not completely gonna replace the acoustic drum because part of the fascination of playing an acoustic instrument is creating the sound in that moment, like being able to hit something and the sound comes out of it, right? And I don't think this is going to go away. And drums have been around like hitting something with your hand or your stick. That's the oldest instrument in the world. So um, electronic drums might become more and more, uh, for sure actually, they will become more and more commonplace, and they will maybe get to the point where you can play a live show and people will not notice. Actually, actually we are at that point already. Yeah. Like, I could actually tour with the role as a kid, and most of the audience would not realize it's not an acoustic drum. And so, I guess, like, for convenience, this is gonna, you know, be more common in the future. But there will always be acoustic instruments and acoustic drums, for sure. Like, there's not even a question about it.
0: Yeah, 100% agree. I remember the first time I saw a kit where a friend of mine hit the cymbal and choked it. And and that was a brand new feature. I was like, God damn it, they've evolved.
1: <laughs> of course. Of course they do. Yeah. And they're, they're actually, it's amazing how, how far they've come which is great for me, because it allows me to practice stuff in my apartment that I can actually translate to the acoustic drum. Uh, because back in the day when you had these rubber pads, like, that was not the same thing, you know, or, or when the mesh hat thing was new and they were too bouncy, too, you know, tennis record-like bouncy, you were able to play stuff that you wouldn't be able to play on an acoustic drum. So a lot of the practice was basically for nothing but
0: now it translates extremely well. And that's a great thing, 11, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, coming from my background, I would have actually uh, maybe played drums a little longer if that you was see? the case. Yeah. Absolutely,
1: of course, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But, uh, but yeah, I, 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 and chat. just out of curiosity, uh, if you guys do play an instrument, um, let, let us know what it is in the uh, in the chat. Because um, I I don't know if you guys agree, but I feel like that we have a ton of guitarists and very few drummers. So I'm I'm curious to see. Oh, I see uh, Rb basses in the house, and yeah, the, the the other thing, bass that you guys play. Um, <laughs> but uh, but do let us know what you guys uh, what if you do play an instrument, what instrument you play. Um, but I do have a little bit of a, a, a tidbit here. Speaking of the digital world, um, you uh, you have a cat. And uh, uh, and the cat has an Instagram.
1: Yeah, it's not my cat. It's my mom's cat, right? Okay. <laughs> and of course, I love the cat like crazy. So in a way, it's like it's my cat. And of course, obviously, it's not. It's nobody's cat. It's its own, you know, person. They never belong to anyone. Yeah. Um. So my it's my mom's cat. I'm taking whenever I'm visiting mom, like an idiot. I'm taking. 500 pictures and videos of the cat because I can't stop doing it so uh, the, the pictures are usually from me I usually put them out but then it's my mom actually co- commenting and liking stuff so any any comment you see from the cat and you have to follow the cat it's, it's the cutest thing in the world uh, is my mom which is also the cutest thing in the world so yeah
0: <laughs> well, we'll we'll post we'll post a link, Julian uh, or or Derpy, if you guys can grab that link and, and post it in the chat. That would be fucking awesome. Because the reason the reason why uh, I I want to mention the cat because I have I have two cats. We have two uh, rescues from from Jordan. We got them tiny, oh. and um, cats are an animal that. Y- you have to earn their, <laughs> their love and respect they they don't necessarily give it out like uh like you know a, a dog does or something i know there's a lot of dog lovers in the chat i'm not saying dogs are bad, you guys but uh, but i'm just saying like uh, uh the the affinity for cat specific uh people is uh, is different is different
1: exactly yeah you, you you have to earn it you have to fight for it and you have to gain it and it's like um i love dogs too but like dogs are like your your best buddy they're your friends it's like much in real life like you know that's your friend and your buddy and you can go out and if they could drink they would go on a, out and have a drink with you um and cats are like yeah like almost like um you that's like love like but you have to fight for it you know like it's um yeah they're like
0: <laughs> like uh, derpy saying in the chat and even when they like you they can be assholes uh, which is true sure. i mean um you guys, especially the people that have been around uh, for a while, have uh, have met both of the cats. They're usually jumping on my back somehow. Uh, I don't think there any any of them are here now, but um, they would just they would literally just jump and try to try to stand on the camera during a live stream. Like it's just it's some of the craziest things in the world.
1: And, yeah, so we, we don't have a cat here because um, like we're. We're, we're in the city and uh, it's, it's it would not be safe for the cat to go out for real like yeah. because of the traffic and the cars and all that and i didn't want to keep a, a cat in the apartment but i'm thinking of maybe getting like an older rescue cat that that nobody wants and like that still would have a better time in an apartment than you know being somewhere in, a, in, a, in an animal shelter yeah so I, I wouldn't want to do this to a young cat obviously but maybe like this it could still be a good deed you know like but it would have to be a cat that doesn't really need to get out as much anymore
0: yeah yeah absolutely speaking speaking of um you know city life and and stuff you said you you grew up basically in the countryside and uh and and now you, you know big city life what's uh where where does where where does the heart lay which uh, which side of the coin
1: oh uh, yeah so prefer? um it's hard to say I think, which is t- a typical thing for people that grew up on, on more on the countryside, is um, a love and fascination for big cities. And I've always had that, from little on. And actually, the places could have not been you know, big enough for me, in a way. Uh, so, actually, the place we're living now is like, it's not the biggest city in the world, but it's a really, really nice uh, city in the southwest of Germany called Saarbrücken which is the capital of the, of the state we're living in. And it's also the, the biggest city for, I'd say even a couple hundred thousand French people because we're, we're right on the border. So it's much more urban than similar cities of the size. But I just, you know, before the pandemic, I lived in London, kind of central also for two years. That was great. And I'd say I totally, I really prefer the city life, to be honest, because of the possibilities. I just want to be able to go out go to a club see a band go go uh you know have all the the typical things you have in a big city like i just really like that but then of course it's nice to be able to go and visit mom and be on the countryside and have that too like ideally you have both in a way
0: it's amazing that you said because you grew up in the countryside because i I grew up uh you know in in the middle east i live in dubai now it's like the city of the cities Of course. And if you uh, give me give me a million dollars and tell me go anywhere you want in the world, it'll probably be a cabin somewhere (laughs) as remote as possible, close to close to some river of some sort. Like that's uh, that's exactly where where I would go because because I have lived here and this is kind of that busy lifestyle the the show is down the road. It's uh, instinctively I want to I want to escape this this style, which is which is interesting.
1: I think it's a clear case of the grass being greener on the other side. Like, a hundred percent. You know. So yeah, but like I'm, I'm still enjoying it, and I just uh, like proper countryside. I don't know. I don't know if that would ever be my thing, to be honest. But yeah. <laughs>
0: Riz Zero said, "I need tech and stuff, and also I don't want to fight a bear." Riz, we don't we don't mean you have to camp outside, in the countryside. You, uh, you. Can, there's a middle ground. There's a middle ground somewhere in there's the There is a middle ground. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to talk about because uh, you do do a lot of things. Um, gem jewelry. Mm-hmm. Is that? Yeah. Uh, I, I I found out that you're. Uh, uh, you have a, you have a, a jewelry um kind of uh, yeah. business going on, on on the side that's a completely completely left field uh from from the music world
1: yeah which is really why I love it so much so this was like my first endeavor outside of you know playing drums basically right uh, actually I'm wearing one of course like this is one of my the
0: other side
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go oh now I have it right. Yeah. And um, so the thing is, um, it's called Gem Sessions. We should put a link in there. Yeah. Um, the, the jewelry is made of cymbals. And that was it just happened one night that I was practicing and a piece of a symbol broke off. And, what I, and I was looking at it on the floor and I was like, hey, wait a second, this would be a great pendant. You just need to drill a hole and you can wear it around your neck. This looks fantastic actually. And that's how the idea was born. And I kept cracking cymbals all the time, so we had tons of broken cymbals. And we started doing this, a, a, a friend of mine and I started putting the, the business together. And um, yeah, now we have Anthrax, we have Halloween, Lacuna Coil, we have um, really, really cool artists in there. And we're still expanding. And it's, it's so much fun. The pen, uh, of course, the pandemic has not been good for us, honestly, because the thing is, with jewelry, it turns out that it's not easy to to, to sell jewelry online because it's something that people have to touch. Mm-hmm. They have to touch and see it. And uh, before the pandemic, we we went to some festivals and it was absolutely fantastic. And we are looking forward to that or to bands having our jewelry, you know, under a merch stand on a tour. That's going to be great. But for now, it's it's just online, unfortunately, but we have a whole, you know, a lot of, Pendants that you can check out, and we're using original symbols. Sometimes the Halloween one are made from original symbols. From Donnie mine are made from original symbols, so that's 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 awesome, and it's just great to do something that's you know not directly music related, but then again it is because you know it has a whole music connection with the symbols.
0: I, I was just about to say I started by saying uh, left field for music, but you're literally making it out of the instrument.
1: Still. Yeah, that's a thing, right? <laughs> And, I was, and, and the cool thing is, uh, and this is still where I really want to go with this, like from a fans perspective to think, OK, this is made from a symbol that's been used on a specific recording or tour. Like wow. you can wear like, a piece of rock history around your neck. And I think this is so great. And we're still working on that. Like, So for us, the goal is also to get more and more artists and hopefully have them you know, send us symbols that were used on specific recordings, and then we can say this is from this album, that album, and give the fans something really special. You know,
0: outside of the 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 premise, like outside of the the, the core value of it, were you ever into jewelry? Did like ten years ago? If I told you this was one of the things you'll be doing, was was it something that you would be uh, interested in?
1: No. Not at all actually, uh, especially not. Uh, well, 10 years, maybe 10 years ago, like let's say 15 years ago, like most dudes and most metal dudes especially, uh, I wasn't exactly fashionable when I was younger, like uh, it was band shirts and you know, and whatever, right? So um, the whole thing, I just grew into it and then starting the, the, the business and like starting to wear some jewelry that happened of course before I came up with this idea otherwise it would have not crossed my mind like you are not if you're not if it's not your thing at all you're not thinking about it right like so I was wearing it obviously at the point already when I when that thing happened that the piece broke off and I was thinking this would be a nice pendant. but um, it took me a while to get there but now I'm kind of getting it into it more and more and more and now also we're like there's so much to it like we didn't realize it but um, for example it just it, it sounds stupid to anybody who's involved and it, or to to people that are really like used to wearing jewelry but we didn't even realize that, that it would make such a big difference to have chains we started out just just having bands and now we're we're offering everything with chains as well and just having chains on it makes it look so much more like jewelry yeah. than a, like, you know like typical type of sense and um yeah but it's it, that's exactly why it's so much fun because uh like we were not experts at all to be honest and now we're like growing into it and it's just it's
0: fantastic i'm just posting for uh, for everybody in the chat that uh, that wants the link i just posted the link to the uh, the instagram page awesome right there uh make sure you check it out because because uh, like, like i said it could actually be like rock history you know what i mean like it's uh it's it's a Absolutely. piece of uh it's a piece of it, and there you go. Derpy just posted the uh, the the website itself uh, gemsessions.shop. Thank, uh, thank you, Derpy, for that. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. It's it's cool that um you have other like you have this entrepreneurial kind of uh, vibe about about the stuff that you do, um, and I I find that a lot of people that have that kind of uh, it, like they, they initiate going out and looking for different things to do rather than settling. Always have it from day one. Like they've, they've yeah. kind of always, that's why when we started talking and talking about teaching, because I, I read a bunch of the stuff that you worked on and, and stuff like that. It's, uh, I was asking, where does that drive come from? Yeah. Because the drive is, is kind of like a, you break a symbol. You're like, I'm going to start a business. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it, it comes instinctively kind of thing.
1: Well, that's that's a really good point. It's very important, I think. You, know, you have to understand that as a musician, this, especially for younger musicians, you are an entrepreneur. You are your own business. Because as much as you love music, and it should always be about the music first, but if you want to make a living from it, you have to to sell yourself more or less in a way, right? Um, so it, the business part is super important, and that's just something you have to have. And um, yeah, I've always like that I was like doing that and if you if you want something you have to ask for it you cannot wait for the world to give it to you it's not going to happen because there's too many people and too many good people and talented people that are just as talented as you are and and all that so if you really want something you have to also you have to make these steps or it's not going to happen
0: absolutely Absolutely. We were talking about a bunch of different things and, and aspects in your life that uh, you kept mentioning. Like the pandemic was bad for jewelry, but it was it was good for for writing and, and going back uh, and, and checking out older recordings and all that stuff. What was where were you? What was going on m- mid-March uh, 2020 when when everything was going down? What was wh- what were you uh, receiving at that at that time when when the world was going into lockdown.
1: yeah yeah okay so actually i just um I, w- I remember returning from some shows i was still playing uh, until the very end you know or i, I actually at the very beginning of the pandemic right um and i just got back from some shows in the uk back to germany at the time and um i rem i, I remember there were that people started talking on the train like about things about the pandemic like about the virus and all that and um, it was like regular people like you know talking about it i was like this is not good like people are starting to talk about it that's a bad sign because i was always interested in, in things and always you know worried about things like that in a way that uh, i remember like the, the the bird flu and what was called h1 one or whatever was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um like the, 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 the swine flu and whatever. Like, we had like two, we, we dodged the bullet two times in the past 20 years, which a lot of people I don't think don't really remember. Like around 2003, I think it was in, in 2009 or something like that. And both of these times, I was watching it closely. I was thinking, this is not good. This is going to go, you know, south. And then it didn't happen, fortunately. Somehow, it, you know, people were able to contain it. So I actually was hopeful that it would be the same this time. Mm-hmm. it was a bit the, the boy that cried wolf for me I was like okay it's not good but they will contain it in china or something like it's not going to happen but mm-hmm. then happened, you know like what can you do like I, and and when it happened and uh when there was this uncertainty uh like i took it very seriously immediately because i just wanted to make sure uh you know i would not uh, and you know i would i wanted to take care of my mom first of all yeah. and uh, so uh we took it very seriously, especially in the beginning, and then of course everything was, you know, canceled. All these, all the shows and all the touring and all that. And now, I think I'm just hopeful that, you know, I, I'm, we are we are all seeing the light at the end of the tunnel now. So I'm just hoping the best for next year. I think it might be it might get difficult one more time, to be honest. Like in the fall, maybe fall winter, and then it should be over. Like that's yeah. what everybody tells me
0: that knows enough about these things yeah yeah it was it was it definitely especially at the beginning it was a crazy time everybody trying to guess like hey it's gonna be two weeks all right maybe maybe until the end of you know the next month let's wait another month and then it just felt like it kept dragging on but um what what was it like pushing the brakes for for once in a very long time um yeah you've been going strong for for a very long time and then you know handbrake got lifted what was that like
1: yeah you see in the year prior to that i was gone for 200 days in that year wow. and so it was completely insane in a way and therefore the funny thing is in the beginning it was fantastic to be honest i was like a relief it was like wow i cannot believe this i'm actually going to sleep in the same bed for two weeks and uh wow, I finally have time to practice. Because at the time, like you said, you just said, we all thought that this would be over within a few months. And I was fortunate that it was at the end of a touring cycle because I'm not sure people are aware of that. But as a musician, when your, your income basically comes from touring, you think in touring cycles. So uh, you have a touring cycle of maybe one and a half years or two years. And then you kind of have to manage with that money for maybe another year until the next starts sometimes right and so fortunately i was at the end of that touring cycle so financially it was okay for me and even a year before that or a year and a half before that this could have been very different but that was just my luck in that case right yeah. so financially it was not a big deal and uh, at first and then uh, then it was just great to have a little bit of a break but then of course that break turned out to be way too long you mm-hmm. know yeah,
0: yeah. and, uh, and I, just, uh,
1: I just started realizing how much uh, i missed the stage and how much i miss my friends and playing playing to to the fans and meeting people and all that it's just um yeah yeah
0: it's i just was just, just I was say, e- even attending shows uh for yeah. me uh just just being able to to, to hear live music i'm getting i've gotten withdrawal symptoms from uh from just not listening to, to live music for the longest time in in my entire life since since i was a kid it's it was um one, one of the, it still is one of the craziest experiences but um like you were saying there's there's a lot of positive you uh you, you guys got a lot of stuff done um
1: oh yeah including- the whole the, the whole streaming platform thing would have not happened without the uh, pandemic that's for sure 100%. um for example right like because we had the time to sit down and think about these things and we also were suddenly faced with a situation where we, where we understood that maybe it was a mistake to give up on making money from recorded music you mm-hmm. know we kind of gave up on that idea to be honest like i i did in a way like was like okay i'm gonna make money on the road because that's how things are nowadays and yeah so that had forced us to rethink things
0: i guess yeah yeah absolutely i mean for for me uh, th- this entire um thing unmuted in general started uh april or may, or may 2020 of just being sitting around for a while going pff, pff, i have i have cool friends that are creative uh, let's ask them some questions. And, and you know, I, I get to learn a little thing. I, I spend some time having good conversations and they get some content out of it, you know, and it turned into this, this whole other world that February, if you told me in February, 2020, this is what I would be spending my time doing. I'll tell you that, that I don't even know a single thing about this. I don't, you yeah. know what I mean? So it, uh, it does have, uh, it does have its ups and downs. So, uh, it, it, it has been it has been a crazy time, and I want to ask the chat. By the way, you guys, do you do you remember the moment uh, where you found out about like now we're saying it like it's it's second nature, you know, uh, uh, lockdown and, and quarantine? I've never used those fucking words before, unless it was in a lyric. I've never used
1: those words before. That's that's what I'm thinking all the time. I'm like, how on earth do I know so much about vaccines now? And like I'm putting on, we're all putting on medical masks like we're doctors like yeah. like everybody does it with an ease now obviously right like yeah 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 I, I, it's, it's insane like it's such a it's such a big difference uh guys I just need a minute I need to go and get the the charger or oh, otherwise this thing thinking to turn off. I I'll be I'll okay, again cool. in a
0: minute. I'll I'll, uh, I'll read the chat until you're back um but yeah you guys it's, uh, it uh we're we're winding down anyway so if you guys have any questions um drop them uh, in the uh, in the redeem there's a question redeem in the in the thing we're going to ask a bunch of your questions and then uh then we're going to head over to uncle julian's house uh julian's going to be uh, playing a bunch of the stuff uh, that alex has worked on a bunch of the 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 you know um music that or, or bands that has worked with so um get ready for that it's going to be a party over there uh like i said if you have any questions i see i see a bunch of questions in the chat um audio only Audio only for me, peeps. Oh no, Craggers. I'm sorry about that. Oh, I see what you did on me, and that that word is banned from uh, from this from this channel now. <laughs> I only thought uh, about it before while fantasizing about a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> uh, which word is banned? Um, yeah try try to say the largest favorite band that uh that happens <laughs> there you go Tommy. there you go but like i said you guys if you have um i i you're i still got your question so uh i might ask it but
1: um all right back here we'll,
0: we'll yeah. see uh awesome 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 we're back so uh we we have a bunch of questions from uh from the tribe that uh i want to get to but before we do, you you mentioned you've just finished recording um, yes. a brand new album. Is there anything you can give us in terms of timeline or anything like that? How it was for you?
1: Um, yeah, well, of course, this was like, uh, I just finished recording the new Camelot album. And um, I really don't know when it's going to come out. Like, honestly, I don't know. Right. Um, it's going to come out sometime next year. That's for sure. I'd say first half. That's pretty sure as well. Uh, but I really don't have any specific dates or anything. And this was really fun and really weird in a, in a good way because it, obviously it was a remote recording. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was my first recording with Camelot. And so what we had to do there was, instead of like, as you would usually just like whatever, book a studio for five days or something, I was in a fortunate position that I could record over the span of almost a month or uh, even six weeks or something, like every few days, like, you know, like we, we would do a song Monday, another song on Thursdays or something, and it was lots of time. And just, you know, get some feedback from the other guys, give them some options, hey, you guys like that, be that groove, like, what do you like better, you know? Uh, because we're, it's pretty democratic in a way. and. Um, Like, which is nice because it also means that I actually have a lot of freedom creatively. But it's all, it also means that I had to take into consideration what everybody else was uh, thinking. So, um, so we did that. And the the cool thing is that I could produce with one of my oldest friends, Phil Hillen, uh, (laughs) SU2 studios here in Germany. And he's fantastic. And I'm so glad that he's, you know, that we're able to do these things now because it's just the easiest thing, like uh, during this pandemic, it's uh, where it was you know virtually impossible for me to go somewhere else. I could just record with him. and finally, he's you know he's getting the recognition he would have deserved long ago for his studio because he has a great, great sounding room, and he, he just knows what he does. So yeah, we were doing this now, and it's been really, really interesting. and i'm I've tried to push you know the limits of what's possible. Like I said, it's, it's it's not easy if the band has been around for really long. Then like no. Then there's expectations, and you know there's only so much you can do. But I think we it turned out great, and everybody's happy about that. And yeah, I, I wish I could talk more. Like I really I, I did some insane recordings. I I basically uh, I recorded one of the probably biggest albums of next year. But at this I, I had to sign an NDA. I can't even talk about it until it comes out. <laughs> and
0: that's also happened and um yeah no that's cool and i i think everybody everybody uh listening to this and and tuning in live already knows that uh how how that that stuff goes um but uh, but i i have to ask a question they'll they'll bust my balls if i don't they'll they'll let me know that i didn't ask the questions but um yeah i'm I'm very stoked for that And, and like you said it's serving the song serving the band uh kind of thing so you're you're building on uh, on a foundation that's already existing, but adding your own touches. I think that's uh, one of the coolest yeah. things. I'm very very much uh, excited looking uh, looking forward to that. Um, usually, what uh, uh, last question I like to ask is uh, is is kind of a deep dive. And um, <clears throat> chat, you know you know how uh, awkward I like to get. I like to kill the background music, and I like to. Um, I like. I, I just want to build this up a little bit. <laughs> He's going to be so disappointed in the question. Uh, thank you, thank you, Derpy, for changing the lights. Um, if you had a time machine and you were able to go back in time to young Alex, just getting into Queen, figuring out the instrument, and uh, and you were you were able to tell young Alex something uh, from from you from the years of experience you've had. What would that thing be
1: hmm that's oh that's a big one that's a big one. You mean uh, musically or like anything like let let's let's stick with music I guess um, I would tell young Alex, you are going to make music and you're going to want to create your own music and try even harder because. The music industry will collapse when you're still really young and uh, you can only be super successful if you make it before that that's probably what i would myself. i mean that's
0: that's that's one of the the craziest things right you wouldn't have thought that this uh this would be the case this would be the case virginia we got the claps the thing is the thing i like to ask whenever i ask someone this question is would young you listen to yourself
1: no of course not no. <laughs> uh, you know
0: the the yeah the the big old fl- flip off <laughs> the uh, the old guys i'll do what i want anyway kind of kind of attitude has always existed
1: yeah but you, you, if you think about it you know like i know this is like just theoretical but it, it, it's so dang. This would be so dangerous. Can you imagine, like, uh, in the like, for real now, like young me, knowing that things would turn out kind of okay. Like you know, I would make it and you know, be a drummer and all that. Maybe that would take away, like, the the eye of the tiger. You know, the drive. And, you know, yeah, you know.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's, uh, we talked about the, um, I talked about, uh, this with, um, Mark Hunter from Chimera. Is it, uh, is it the back to the future kind of going back in time, yeah. uh, or where, where you change the line of, uh, of events or is it, you're going back in time and it's already a cyclical nature where this is a result of that. And, uh, yeah. and I told him no. This is a, this is a Back to the Future line. So you can go back in time and actually change what happens uh, if, if that was if that was the theory we're working on. And the the possibilities were endless. It's like what if exactly? What if I told him to you know work harder and, and as a result fucked everything up?
1: <laughs> sure, sure. You, you would never know, you know. Even with personal stuff. I mean, like I mean, like you know, I don't want to go. Um, uh, too, too, you know, too, too depressing on this. But I think everybody has personal stuff in their lives, like you know, where uh, you know, close family members uh, died or stuff like that. And then you're like, okay, I wish I could just go back and, and change those things, and you know, tell people to be more careful, or you know, go and see a doctor in time or whatever, you know. But the truth is, you never know how it would really pan out, like the consequences of it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. The specific thing would be great. You could change that. But then maybe because of that, you would get into a car accident the day after or something. Like, you never know. It's You can drive yourself crazy with these things, but
0: yeah. 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 When, when I, I, I started asking this question, like, episode three of season one. Um, and, uh, and not... I've done... This is episode 15, so 115 episodes uh not a single answer has been repeated so far which uh, which i think is absolutely amazing if you ask 115 different people um what would you tell your younger self uh the, the, the conversation that that sparks like ours like some people just just answer the question based on that but you know the butterfly effect we're basically talking about the butterfly effect as a exactly. result of that that question which i think is is very fucking cool um yeah
1: absolutely but, yeah
0: uh, dude, I wanna I wanna say thank you so much for your time. Uh, I know sitting down and having a conversation for two hours uh, is uh, is a hefty one, and uh, like we were talking about earlier, uh, generation wise, it's uh, it's not something that um, that is uh, is very common these days. But thanks to these maniacs that are in the chat, thanks to the patrons and, and the subscribers and everyone that's supporting this channel, uh, it's it's made possible. And these guys uh, these guys sit around and listen to us. Uh, talk for two hours so I think uh, it's uh, it's pretty fucking cool um, but yeah thank you so much for your time man this is this is amazing
1: well, yeah no worries thank you for having me and it's it's been a pleasure it's been so much fun uh, talking to you so uh, it's like you know the time just flew by but this is the exact opposite of a 15 second um, you know TikTok video exactly so <laughs> this is the exact yeah. opposite the exact yeah.
0: opposite um, I'm gonna do uh, one last uh, power round power round of questions uh, from Absolutely. from the tribe. Um, I always ask this uh, but what is the craziest story from a show or a tour?
1: Oh, oh man so um, okay like I can give you like, like a super stupid thing that happened on stage. Stupid not crazy but uh, we played in uh, Minneapolis with Rhapsody and you know we had there's like these big, you know, symphonic arrangements. So obviously, we don't have an orchestra with us. So there's all that's that's all from a MacBook, right? Or most of it, right? And for sound check or engineer, great engineer, great guy. He put a loop to one to one of the tracks.
0: Oh, I think we got Alex uh, is stuck. Alex is stuck um let's uh let's give him a little bit let's see if uh if we can rejoin let me check that uh king of Whitewater, uh, what's going on my friend uh thank you for for being part of the tribe first time chatter here uh have you had the chance to play live yet Alex um let me uh, let me try and get that question in as well we we had a question queue opened up that is uh, that is currently uh paused but um and we'll see if we can get him back on here, and uh, and up and running again. There we go, Alex. You better. Okay.
1: I just yeah. I just had to reboot uh, or had to turn off and on Wi-Fi. Okay. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll start again. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Uh, yeah. Okay. So it's it might not be the the, the craziest thing, but it's crazy stupid. Um, we played with the, with Rhapsody in Minneapolis, and we had obviously with Rhapsody being so symphonic, you know, we had. Lots of stuff coming from, from the Macbook, which you, you can't avoid. It's not because the band can't play, but you don't have an orchestra. Yeah. And our, our sound guy, he had this one bit that he, had, that he looped for sound check, and uh, to dial in the, the PA. And then he forgot to, to turn off the loop. So we're starting, we're playing like the first song, and we get to that portion where it loops. And the thing starts gooping, you know, like, and like, oh, i can't believe this you know so we had to stop and start over and that was like immediately showing like how you know how stupid it is to be too dependent on technology like this is something that it would have not happened to to deep purple i guess in 71 (laughs) but yeah so that was that and i mean like crazy tour stories oh man like touring can be so crazy as a whole sometimes like we had great 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 times on tour i remember um, oh man, especially like touring with the, uh, when I took with Sertavarius, one time, uh, I think we played in, uh, let me think about for a second, it was hell, no, it was Stockholm, and we went to, to a show afterwards, um, to a Harvard superstar, they played so late that we could just go there after a show, and we went with a, with a Finnish ice hockey NHL player and this guy was just you know throwing rounds and just basically paying for the whole place and uh yeah that was like basically i got, i remember i got so extremely hammered with a, with an I, nhl ice hockey start <laughs> and uh like it's like you would think this is a sports guy and he doesn't drink but quite the contrary and i remember that and like with everything that you know all the everything that happened afterwards on the bus in terms of you know, like I mean like whatever, puking my bunk, <laughs> sort of, sort of, you know? and like this yeah, is yeah. like the aftermath. The aftermath, <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, in in a way, I think it's crazy. Yeah, what was crazy? Like, uh, it's it's in a way, it's super controlled what we do nowadays in so many ways, because the standard is so high. Yeah. we we are required to 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 function at a really, really high standard because of uh, you know, all the technology that's involved, because of um, everybody filming, like putting up their cell phone and filming us, and if we fuck something up, it's on YouTube the next day. So I think it's much less crazy than than you know, whatever, touring with Motley Group in eighty six. But yeah, yeah we we're, we're still having fun and it's still great. But yeah, I wish I could have thought of something really crazy. But Unfortunately, nothing super special comes to mind now.
0: I'll give it some thought for next time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it is pretty crazy But the ones you, you did come up with. Um, uh, one more question there's uh, apart from yourself, uh, yo, it's Vengali22. Thank you so much for, for the resub. Um, apart from yourself, obviously, who do you think are the be- three best drummers in metal, dead or alive? Oh,
1: that's that's super difficult. The three best drummers in metal oh my god okay because that, that's always a thing like um, you know there's this a, a, a certain you know being influential can be super important too right like uh, so yeah. let's let's say uh, like people like to bash Lars Ulrich, but uh, you know he's super influential and like so many people would not be where they are without him so that's, I, I've never bought into that and, but obviously he's not like the best or, or anything. Personally, I'd say uh, Nick Mansa, Megadeth. Nick was just uh, one of a kind in the way that he mixed a technical playing, especially for the time being, uh, with, um, with a lot of groove, a lot of swing and musicality. And he made it look effortless and it was just absolutely fantastic. So that will be absolutely one that, that, that's right there. Um, I think of the modern players, um, oh man, there's so many of them. There's so many great drummers. It's so hard to just pick a few names. I think Eloy Casagrande mm-hmm. is absolutely astonishing. A heavy um, hitter. Heavy hitter and still a lot of finesse, a lot of technique. Wonderful time. I mean, you know, he's just, he's just absolutely fantastic. Cause I, I, it's always great when I see somebody and I'm like, there's no way in the world I could have done this better than this person. Like I can, it, it'd be great if I could do it just as good. That's that's like the maximum that can be done done there. But there's not a way of doing something better, you know? So that would be one of these cases. And um, Madeline, so, there's so much to it. Like and, and like it would be way easier if I could pick like genres. Like if I could pick like and even then it would be difficult, like picking the three progressive dudes, three, <laughs> one, and three like and even then it would be impossible. So third name. It was absolutely astonishing. Oh man. No, it's like I, I really, I, really, I can't even pick another name. I, I say like uh, without giving it too much thought. I'd say another good friend of mine, uh, Mario Duplantier, Gojira. Yeah. absolutely incredible. Yeah. You know,
0: absolutely but, insane. Um, absolutely.
1: But then there's like this whole, you know, array of of um, of technical, especially the technical death metal and then black metal side. And then again, like um, some of these dudes are just unreal you know yeah like I, musically uh, it might not be the most creative thing sometimes or um, you know like it, it can be very specific just fast but then again it is sometimes so fast that you you just have to you know appreciate it for what it is you know
0: absolutely absolutely and uh, for, uh, for for myself I want to add uh, to that pile I would uh, I would just add uh, Joey Georson. Uh, from from Slipknot, a late. Joey Jordison. In, in so terms was, of influential, uh, for for that generation, was uh, was beyond influential for the instrument. I mean,
1: the, the, the thing that Joey did is he brought a lot of uh, the elements of extreme metal drumming to a general audience.
0: Yeah, you know, absolutely.
1: And this 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 was the first time that many people heard a blast beat or something. And and you have to give him credit for that, and you have to give him credit for bringing. The drums to the to the front of it, like being this you know visible and important member of the band, which is always an outstanding achievement if somebody can do that. Much like Portnoy, I mean, you can say what you want about him, but Portnoy is a great drummer, you know, The mm-hmm. great character. And uh, so technically, like, it's it's how do you judge these things, you know? Like, um, what's really like, you know? What's the level here? What, what, you know, like, is it just about technicality? Is it about raw speed, musicality? There's so many elements to it. It's, there is. You know, people there, can be great. It, for so it, many reasons, you know.
0: It, the instrument itself is so dynamic and so so diverse that, like you said, it's been since since the dawn of man basically people have been drumming. Yeah. So it's very hard to just be like this is the best.
1: And there's people that are just irreplaceable. And uh, again, Ulrich, I mean. Uh, I don't want to, I would not want to replace him. It's like, how do you do that? Yeah. I to, like this, it's pointless. Nico, think of my brain, you know? Sure, there's a lot of kids that can play faster single strokes than Nico, you know? Or faster double bass, especially because he just plays one. But Nico is Nico, how about, you know, it would be pointless to play for Iron Maiden. Uh, all you could actually do was would be copying him, you know. Like everything else would be idiotic, and that would be I- idiotic in itself. So, um, and this is great too. If somebody's so, you know, if somebody's irreplaceable, or if you you cannot copy somebody, you know, like Neil Peart, obviously, not a metal drummer like but that would be progressive or progressive rock. But you know, what a guy!
0: Absolutely, absolutely and uh, uh be hopefully that uh that answers your question i think we uh we we dug a little deep into uh into that and um i agree i absolutely agree i think it's 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 a very difficult thing to kind of yeah. saying what are your top favorite three albums it changes every day i i don't know this 22 says chris adler yeah. and tommy lee see like that that for me wouldn't um chris adler is, is absolutely amazing tommy Lee is absolutely amazing but different uh um, criteria, I think, is the word. Yeah, I see a lot of you yeah. in the chat yeah. asking about gem sessions. Um, so gem sessions.shop If you guys are listening to the audio, if you're if you're listening to this after we stream live, uh, and it's also in the chat right now. So Twenty Two is asking about it. Uh, Riz Zero saying the pendants are very cool. I want to get one. Go for it, bro. Go for it. Thank Post you. it in the Discord. Let us know that you guys got them. Awesome. um uh, Mona uh, says Tommy uh, Tommy Aldridge. Uh, Danny Carey from Ford Paws. Neil uh, Neil Pert, Neil Pert Hurt. Uh, yeah. Rush. yeah. <laughs> I uh I always mess up with uh, with the last names. But um yeah, thank you guys so much for sticking around. Thank you guys for all the questions and and hanging out and uh, and Alex, like I said, thank you so much for for your time, my dude. We got to do this again. Uh once, Absolutely. Once, once things open up and um we we got to get you down to the Middle East. You got to play a show in Dubai at some point.
1: I would totally love to and it's like it's one of the places that I, that I haven't been to yet and I always wanted to go so that's for sure and yeah My absolutely world. I'll come back when uh, when we can talk more about the student service when hopefully I can talk about these you know these albums that I mentioned that I've recorded that I can't talk about yet and there's some other actually pretty big things that I also can't talk about like which is of course something I could be making up now but it's actually true <laughs> <laughs>
0: But I, well, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. I love, uh, I love the conversation. I love the, having you on here. And like I said, it, time flew by. Um, okay. We used to have a tradition uh, on, on the show where, uh, where to officially end the episode, uh, the guest would have to be the one to say, hit the outro. And that would uh, commence the, uh, the, the end of the show. Uh, but for okay. the very first time, for the very first time, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna ask you to do it in your most specific way possible, like d- in your branded way. So uh, however you want to do it, <laughs> in whatever way you want to do it, I'll uh, well, uh, be super
1: geeky. The, so it's gonna be drumming and Star Trek at the same time, and drumming and be, Star Trek. Yeah, which would be Captain Picard, and this would be Endgame.